plan and how you brought about the Christmas story, who you chose to share it with, and and uh, we want we want to have their response, just of incredible joy and wonder of what they've just experienced. So would you also do that joy work within each of us um, as we look at your as we look at your word today and as we respond to it? We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you came back after the amazing preaching last week, I'm so sorry. I'm somebody else. But I am thankful for George Polcaster who filled in and did a wonderful job uh, preaching last week. So um, we want to continue our series on the call of Christmas. Uh, and this one's a call to praise. Uh, I think one of the difficult things <clears throat> with the Christmas season is not everybody responds with that automatic sense of joy and rejoicing. For a lot of people, uh, Christmas is a difficult time of the year because of who we miss or, or because of our own frailties or illnesses or, or maybe we've just been away from the faith for a long time and this just seems kind of hokey now. Why should we enter back into this time of celebration? We seem to have outgrown it. <clears throat> but there, there's many, many reasons why people have difficult emotions over the holidays but I would like to give you some reasons to rejoice, some reasons to celebrate this Christmas. The shepherds had them. We have them too for some of the same reasons. When the angels showed up that first Christmas, they called the shepherds to rejoice. Glory to God in the highest. They called them into this. And the shepherds responded with joy, telling people what they had seen, what they had heard. They went to find Christ. They followed the star, full of great joy. So here's what I did this morning. Um, I went through the book of Luke. Uh, Bible scholars like to point out that Luke loves to show people rejoicing in his gospel. He likes to show people full of joy in his gospel. That's an emphasis he has. So here's what I did. I went through the book of Luke, and I I found every single place that I could find that talked about joy, that talked about rejoicing, that talked about gladness. <clears throat> and, and, and I took all the verses and I read them all. Can I get a cup of water, by the way, Christy? I feel like my voice is... Um, <clears throat> I read them all, and I don't have time to share them all this morning, but <clears throat> I did categorize them, and I came up with five broad categories why Luke gives us a reason to rejoice. Why do people rejoice in Luke's Gospel? I want to show those to you and show you what I think Luke was trying to emphasize in this idea of of rejoicing. We see it in the message of the angels. We see it throughout his gospel. So we'll start in Luke 2. If you would go there. There should be a Bible in front of you if you didn't bring one with you this morning. And I just want to read this familiar passage again. And then we'll jump around in Luke a little bit. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Verse 10, But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men 
on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. Good news of great joy. That's what the angels brought. Good news of great joy. So the question for us is, especially for those who wrestle with those feelings in the holiday season, is, is this still good news of great joy to me? Do I have a reason to rejoice? And the answer is yes. I want to give you five of them this morning. Okay, let's look at a few verses. We're going to jump around a little bit. You can turn in Luke or you can watch the screen behind me, but we're going to do a little bit of jumping, so just be ready. Here we go. Uh, Luke 1. Uh, this is uh, John the Baptist's birth announcement. John the Baptist, as we, a few weeks ago we looked at that, to Zechariah and Elizabeth, says he will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. When John the Baptist is born, people are going to celebrate. They're going to have joy because he's going to prepare people for Jesus' coming. Next passage, Luke one forty four. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. That's Elizabeth pregnant with John the Baptist. And she said when she met Mary, she's like, the baby jumped for joy in my womb. We have a baby full of joy in the womb, jumping around. That's awesome. Next one. Uh, and this is Mary saying, My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She was thinking about giving birth to the Savior, giving birth to Jesus, and she's like, My spirit is rejoicing within me. This is Christmas joy. Or I'll put it this way, this is birthday joy. All right? Birthday joy. If we can get the point up on the screen. Birthday joy. Can we all agree that birthdays are important? Yeah, so let's celebrate. This is what we're doing. Now, now I know that Jesus' birthday is not literally on December 25th. I know we've chosen that day, but I'm totally good with assigned birthdays, and I think you should be too. I mean, really, this is okay. Uh, birthday joy is important joy. If you think back over your life to, to birthdays where family and friends were gathered around, I think I've only had one surprise birthday that Christy has ever thrown me, and I remember that. It was number 25, my golden birthday. And I still remember... Her uh, surprising me on that birthday with a, with a room full of people, friends, celebrating me. You know, I've never done it again, but I remember that day because it was a surprise. Birthdays are supposed to be celebrated. Every, uh, on my dad's birthday, I always call him up and we talk on the phone and, and I always ask him, it's the same question every year, and I know the answer every year, but I always ask anyway, so what'd you have on your birthday, dad? You know, and he'll say, well, you know, your mom made me a German chocolate cake. And I'm like, oh, man, that's, that's good stuff. Because that's my favorite, too. Did you say many? No. Okay, fine. And we do this. It's like a routine. Every year we, we have the call. We talk. What cake did you eat? Yes, I know. It's my favorite, too. I got it. You know, We do this every single year. But it's birthday joy. Birthday joy is good joy. If you need a reason to celebrate Jesus, it's his birthday. Are you going to celebrate or not? Are you going to come to church next Sunday? Uh, no guilt, though. Okay, no guilt. But you know what I mean? Really, I mean, if you could show up, show up. It's a birthday party. We're having it right here Sunday morning. Let's do this. All right, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Uh, some more verses I want you to look at. Uh, look at Luke uh, ten seventeen. I think that's the next one on there. Uh, Jesus sent out disciples to do ministry in his name, 72 to be exact. And, and the 72 went out and, and they did these great works and they're casting out demons and they're healing people. And, and they come back and they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. But, but the fact is, they return with joy. Like, we can't believe this. 
Like, like, like we, can't, we can cast demons out of people. We've never been able to do that before, but if we say in Jesus' name, they have to leave, and they're full of joy. So there's this joy of, of God working. Next, next verse. Um, when he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people delighted. So Jesus often had these encounters with religious leaders. You know, the religious leaders always wanted Jesus to like, they wanted to trap him, trick him, kill him. That's the way they were. But Jesus would always end up turning it around and making them look silly. And his opponents were humiliated. But the people, it says, were delighted with all the wonderful things Jesus was doing. There's delight, there's joy in what Jesus was accomplishing. So so there's joy in God's work. Uh, Next one. Luke's going to emphasize it again here when uh, Jesus is, is, this is a triumphal entry. He comes near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives and the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully praise God in loud voices. Why? For all the miracles they had seen. So one thing Luke wants us to notice, I've shown you three passages. When God does something amazing, something miraculous, people respond with joy. God's at work. Here, here's how I would say it. I, I didn't know what word to use for this, so I'm just going to call it power joy. Uh, I, I would call it miraculous joy or miracle joy. I don't know, but, but I'll call it power joy. Uh, when something happens and God's fingerprints are all over it, you get joy. When something happens in your life and you're like, that's not normal, that wouldn't have happened on its own, that was God, it, it just brings delight to you when you see that happen. When God does something only God can do, joy. When we were flying, um, it, it could be small things. We were flying home uh, on our airplane from Florida um, on, uh, on Friday. Uh, it's amazing we weren't delayed because it was nasty in Milwaukee, but, but we got in just fine. We're on the flight, and, and, and Christy, you know, I'm kind of like in the zone of flight. You know, I'm just kind of doing my own thing. And Christy, she's striking up conversations with everybody around her. You know, that's what she does. And, and she's talking to the people behind us, and, and we got in this conversation on adoption. And we're talking about this, and their kids are adopting, and we're sharing some of our story and encouraging them. And, and they're writing some things down that we're saying. And, and, and it was just really cool to to be able to encourage this, this family. I gave them my card, and, and, and you can ask us questions if you want to. It was just really awesome that God would do that on an airplane ride, you know? And, and that's just, this is what God does. I mean, I, for me, you know, for Christy, she always strikes up the conversation. For me, they usually come up to me and say something, and, and we just hit it off, and, and, and there we go. But, but isn't it funny that however it works... It's like God just ordains your footsteps and he's going to bring you to people that need to talk to you. And then you talk and it's like, God, you did that. You did that. And when you see God's fingerprints on your life, it makes you rejoice. Maybe when you prayed a big prayer and God answered it, you rejoice. But whatever it was, when God steps in, it thrills us. It thrills us. What did the angels say? Um, the angels said, a Savior has been born. A Savior has been born to you. That's a miracle. How does God become a person? How does God take on flesh? That's one of the greatest works of God that He'll ever do. Taking on a body? It's a miracle and it gives us joy. How does that even work? We don't even understand it. 100% God, 100% man. The Savior's been born. Joy. 
How about another one? Uh, here's some heavy-duty stuff Luke talks about, but it's, again, full of joy. Luke 6.22, Jesus says, Blessed are you. Blessed can be translated happy, by the way. Happy are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man, because of Jesus. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that's how their fathers treated the prophets. So if, if people don't like you because you're a Christian, and, ho- and hopefully you're not one of those obnoxious Christians, but, but if you're just a Christian and you just love Jesus and people don't like you for it, you should start jumping around. You know, have a party because that's exactly how they treated the prophets. That's how they treated Jesus. You're Jesus' disciple. Uh, next verse. Uh, Luke talks about um, the 72 coming back with the joy. We talked about this earlier. Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning to heaven. So, so okay, let's set this up here. Disciples go out like we said earlier. They're doing miracles in Jesus' name, casting out demons. They come back and said, it's amazing. We're, we, demons are submitting to us you know, in your name. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. It's like, it's like that's really good news. Like You have huge spiritual authority in Christ. Huge. But he says, don't rejoice about that. Like, like As awesome as it is, and, and I've had a, at least one encounter similar to that. It's like, as awesome as it is to walk out of there and say, Jesus, you just stepped in when I prayed and I saw darkness retreat right in front of me. That is awesome. But as awesome as that is, don't rejoice about that. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice that you're one of Jesus' disciples. Do we have one more? There, I forget. Do we have one more verse there or just a point? Go to the point. Uh, so, so Luke has this, this kind of this broad category of joy. I'll call it discipleship joy. Discipleship joy. How awesome is it that you get to follow Jesus to heaven, to suffering, to unquenchable joy? That's what you get. You get to follow Jesus. And Jesus says, even if you're casting out demons, the better thing is you get to follow me. Your name's written in heaven. You get to be with me forever. That's even better. And, and, and as good as it can be on earth doing things for Jesus, how awesome is it that you get to be His? That you belong to Him? That He's your Master? He's your Lord? That's it. That's it. That's the best. You know, when it comes to persecution, I, I, just, I wish some of us would just have maybe more of a sense of humor about it. You know, people don't like me because I follow Jesus people are opposed to you for some reason because you're a spiritual person. You know, we just need to treat it a little more lightly because that's what they did to all people that are spiritual. That, that's what they do. That's what they did to Jesus, did to the prophets. You just, you kind of say, I get joy out of it because I get to be like Him. So there's discipleship joy. You get to follow Jesus. You could be following a lot of different things. You get to follow Him. Oh, here's how the angels say it. The angels say, um, peace to those on whom his favor rests. God's favor rests on you. You're his. His favor is on you. Uh, Next one. Uh, I think we'll do Luke 15. So there's there's a whole bunch of passages in Luke where he uh, talks about finding lost things. Let's do this one. 
Uh, suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully until she finds it? When she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, what does she say to them? Rejoice with me. I found my lost coin. Now, it, if I lose uh, $10, I'm not going to call you up. You know, we've got to be contextual here. You know, she lost a coin, but she is calling people. Now, now maybe, you know, uh, lose, lose Christie's diamond ring. Maybe I would call you up and say, we found it, you know. That's awesome. Did I ever tell you this time I lost my ring in Silver Lake in Watoma? Did I ever tell you that story? Maybe I didn't. I don't know. But, but I, lost my, I lost my ring. Uh, uh, um, we, were, we were in the lake in Silver Lake doing like water volleyball, and my, my ring came off, and it was gone. I, I took a metal detector out there, and I was looking all over the, the lake, the front area. Couldn't find it, and uh, bought a new ring, which is the one I'm wearing right now. And then, uh, and then a couple years later, the family whose house we were at comes to church and says, we found your ring. We just saw this golden, it was like two years later. Like, what? You know? But I didn't call and have a big party. But, but anyway, but you rejoice over those things. It's kind of fun. Like, really? You found it? That, that's really cool. You know? And I got it. I got a backup now. So, um, <laughs> I got a backup. Because uh, that's one of those conversations you don't want to have with your spouse. You know, I lost the ring. You know? Okay. Um, now, but here's Jesus' point. Uh, he says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. That's what heaven celebrates. Sinners who are repenting. Um, do I have one more there? Uh, yeah, here we go. Um, remember the prodigal son? N- n- another, another in that category of lost people, the son says, Give me my inheritance, Dad, I'm out of here. Leaves home with the money, wastes the money. He has nothing, eating with the pigs, and he goes back to dad, repenting, humble, and the dad says, let's throw a party. My son's back. We had to celebrate and be, be, be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. There's this whole category of joy. I will call it salvation joy. You could call it sinner's joy. Uh, here, here's the point. Sinner's joy or salvation joy. Uh, do you remember the moment when you got saved? You know, when God gave leniency to the lawbreaker, grace for the guilty, salvation for the sinner, compassion for the criminal, redemption for the wicked. That day, the day you gave your life to Christ, the angels sang your name. They sang your name on that day. Now maybe you don't know what the day was. Maybe for you it was a process. A lot of us it was a process. And eventually it just became clear. And maybe you don't know the day. But that time period, that moment, whenever that happened to you, the angels knew it. You may not know the moment, but the angels knew it. And they had a party. And your name was brought up. Because you repented. You got salvation joy. And the angels celebrated. It ought to give us a thrill to no end when sinners come to Jesus and say, Forgive me. I believe you died for me. You're my Savior. Um, I just do, do you watch um, do you watch like courtroom dramas on TV you know crime shows uh, this is all for you Chris this is, I, this is totally for you Christy uh, maybe you watch like Dateline and there's those real life mysteries and did they do it or did they not and, th- and then you're watching it all play out and sometimes in one of those, some of those shows whether they're fictional or non you get to that point where you are sure the person's guilty. You're positive they're guilty. All the evidence is laid out. And then you get to the verdict. And, and they had a commercial break right before because they always do. 
and, and, and you waited, and you waited, and you got some more popcorn or whatever, and, and they came back to the show, and, and then the jury came in, fictional or not, it doesn't matter, because you you're emotionally invested by this point, and they said, not guilty. And you were like, I just invested two hours of my life in this for not guilty, you know? What a miscarriage of justice. How could they do that? And you're all riled up about it. How could that person get off? That's just not right. Listen, God is a just God, and He will pay us all back. He's going to pay you back. If you're not forgiven by Jesus, there's a payback coming. There's punishment coming. But when a sinner repents and gets off the hook, there's a not guilty verdict for all of you guilty people. And the angels party. They, they, they don't have that moment of like, oh, another one got off the hook. You know? Change the channel. You know? How could the jury be that stupid? You know, they don't do that. When they hear it, they say, turn up the music, let's sing. Another crazy sinner turned to Jesus, which was the smartest thing they could ever do. Party time. That's what they do. Maybe next time you see one of those courtroom dramas, you know, I, I know God is a just God, like I said. And, and, we, and if, you, if you haven't believed in Christ and asked Him to forgive you, there is a punishment, a judgment coming. Ask Him to forgive you. God is a just God. He is a good judge. But He loves it when He gets to look at you and see all of your sin and say, not guilty. You took my son's forgiveness. Leniency for lawbreakers. Compassion for criminals. Here's what the angels say. Uh, A Savior has been born. This is good news of great joy that will be for all people. Anybody. Anybody. It's for the criminals the thieves, the blasphemers, the adulterers, the liars, the drunkards, the greedy, the proud, the rebellious, the haters, the murderers. It's for all of them. And we announce the bill's been paid. And we celebrate. If Christ wasn't born, if Christ wasn't born, this would be a gathering of the damned. You know, it would be like First Church of the Condemned. That's who we would be. We wouldn't be singing in here. We'd be wailing and moaning and crying out. If there is no Christmas, there is no hope in this room. There's no reason to get together. This is a pathetic bunch of people all going to hell. But Christ is born, and this is a sinner's joy, a salvation joy. Uh, Last one. Last one. I saved the best for last, I think. Uh, Luke 24:40. Here we go. Uh, <clears throat> so, when Jesus rose from the dead, he was crucified, right? And then he was buried, and he rose from the dead on the third day, Easter Sunday. And, and when he showed up to people, it was hard for them to believe it was him. Like, like, like clearly it was him. They, they could recognize him, but, but there was something a little bit different about him, you know? He was in a resurrected body. There was just something a little bit like, whoa crazy you know like is that really him and i suppose that'd be normal because if you had a loved one that died and you saw him the next day i bet you wouldn't think it was them you know you like for a moment you would go that's that's a good look alike but i went to the funeral yesterday you know what i mean like that's what you would probably do so when they saw jesus 
It's like, yeah, it's really me. But they're like, really? And so he's like, look at my hands, you know, look at my feet. Uh, they showed the scars, and it says, while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything to eat? There is a joy that is so deep you can barely believe something's true. And that is resurrection joy. A joy so deep you can barely believe it's true. Bring that up, please. Oh, yeah, here's the last one, but we'll skip past that. Um, resurrection joy. It seems too good to be true, but the scarred, crucified Christ is now alive forever. And, and I love that you can read the stories and see that the people were like, this can't be. It just can't be. Dead people don't show up at our house. That doesn't happen. And yet there he was. And it says they, could bear, they couldn't believe it for all the joy that they felt. This is too good to be true. I think, I think if they used English uh, expressions, that's what they would have said. It was too good to be true. And yet it was. It was true. You know, I, I, have, I don't know what comparison I would make to something today, but, you know, I, I think the closest I've ever felt to that feeling of too good to be true is when you hold your baby in your hands after the birth, you know, and you're like, is it mine? You know, really? Is this, is this for me? Is God trusting me with this? You know, our first child, really? This just can't be. This can't be happening, you know, but, but there he is. And, and you look at him, I'm saying him because Derek was number one, and you look at him and you go, yeah, I, I guess he's real. And the first diaper happens, and you know it's real, you know. Um, smells real. Uh, but, but, but you know that, that moment where you're like, I cannot believe God entrusted me with this person. But I'm holding him, so I guess it's true. And, and that's it. I can hardly believe a person can come back to life. But because God did it, and because people saw him, and they wrote about it, and they died for it later, they died for that truth. I believe it's true. It's resurrection joy. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. If you're struggling with joy this year, I hope you can look at this and say, here's five really good reasons Luke gives us to celebrate this season. Even if it's hard, even if you miss that person, even if you are sick, even if you are Maybe you've been far from the faith. And this is God saying, come back. This is where joy is at. This is where the joy is at. Worship team, would you come up? I don't think we talked about a closing song, but maybe Jesus Messiah would be a great way. Let me pray. Father, um, I thank you. Thank you for giving us joy that cannot be quenched. Thank you for giving salvation to sinners. May we never take it for granted that we were hell-bound. And without Christmas, that's exactly where we would be going. For those that have struggled with joy this year, I want to pray for them. Father, that you would restore their joy and that when they consider the Savior that's been born, that that joy would burst up from within them. Yes, life will go on and there will still be difficulty, 
But may they move through that difficulty with delight in who you are and what you've done for them. In Jesus' name, amen.